RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So only, uh, well, nearly a fortnight out from the general election, and you may remember not too long ago, we spoke with Marissa Bidwar, the chief executive of the Restaurant Association of New Zealand. And Marissa is back with us. Thanks for coming back on RCR, Marissa. Thank you for having me, Paul. Great Hope to be everything's here. okay in the restaurant business at the moment, or maybe it's not. We can talk about that, but we're close to an election, and you've put out a manifesto. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? Well, look, we thought it was important just to make it really clear some of the things that our industry are really looking for um, in an, in our next government, essentially. I think one of the things for our industry um, and hospitality is oftentimes we do get looked over when it comes to policy. Um, and so we thought it was really important just to make it really crystal clear what are some of the things that are important to, to the industry. Why do you think you get looked over? Because it's obviously a big part of, well, people's lives, the economy, mm-hmm. and it was one of the carrots dangled for, um, some would say, coercing compliance, you know, it, access to restaurants, mm-hmm. you know, th- mm-hmm. hospitality. It was it was a big deal. Why do you think you're overlooked then? Cause that's Look, that's you- a great question, I think, um, and one that we have often contemplated um, at the Restaurant Association. I think one of the things that we've identified is that oftentimes hospitality get lost, lost in amongst tourism because tourism is such a big kind of, you know, sexy part of um, the, the industry, one of our biggest ex- exports, um, essentially. So I think hospitality is bundled in with tourism. And there are some similarities, absolutely, between um, our sectors. Uh, however, there's some real big differences as well. Uh, and those those are some of the things that we've identified is that, um, you know, tourism does get a lot of attention. Um, hospitality isn't talked about specifically so much. Isn't one of the, uh, what do I know, main downstream um, part of the tourism economy is hospitality. Yes, 100%. Why do people bloody come here, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I think too, Paul. Honestly, it's like our food is absolutely incredible here in New Zealand. You know, we are surpassing, I I think, and yes, I'm biased. I'll put my hand up and say that. But we're surpassing, um, you know, I think global standards. I compare our cuisine here in New Zealand to what's happening in Melbourne, you know, and New York. And and I think we're we're there, if not ahead in some, some areas. Okay, so just looking at some of of what's in the manifesto, kind of things that stood out, not in any particular order. Okay, young, I suppose young New Zealanders who don't see hospitality, as we're talking about it now, as some kind of viable future career space to be in. Mm. Is that a change or has it never been like that? Look, I think it's something that we've grappled with forever in our industry and particularly in New Zealand for some reason. Like, you know, you go to Europe and it doesn't seem to have the perceptions. Like I was just in Italy recently and, you know, a lot of people who are in restaurants, they're they're revered by their local community. They're people who make careers out of it. You see people who are much older um, looking after tables in Europe. And, and it's the same in the States as well, I might add. But in New Zealand, it, it does seem to attract sort of, um, I guess, more of a, a younger demographic in our workforce. We'd like to see people looking at hospitality as a career um, and, you know, 
being proud of that career. And we are seeing that. Don't get me wrong. There's some incredible people that we have in our industry, um, you know, that have chosen to make a career out of it. But we need more people to see it as a viable career option. So how do you how do you deal with that? Because in the in the end, you need workers, mm, people exactly. to do you know to fill out the mm. jobs that are there. Otherwise, there'll be contraction, I'm sure. But yeah, or, or, or people are working in a crazy sort of way. So what are you asking for to address that? Look, we're asking um, for, well, first off, we think immigration policy does need to be looked at because, yes, we have a skills shortage. It's something that we're working on within the industry. Um, but look, until it's solved, we still have businesses that need to run. We still have you know, people to serve and to look after. We've got guests visiting us. So we do need the people to, you know, come and help us in our in our businesses and hospitality. So we're looking for some really clear and straightforward policy in the immigration space um, and to make that accessible for our businesses as well. That, that's sort of one of the, the asks that we are looking for. Right now, we have seen some changes to policy, um, but look, it hasn't made it any easier for our businesses to access the labor they need. So if if you could access more immigration-based labor, let's say, is it there? Are there the people who want to come here and do that work? Yes. Yeah. Our businesses okay. are contacted regularly by people who from overseas who would like to come and work. And look, there don't get me wrong, there are pathways currently that are available, but what the feedback we're hearing is that it is quite complex. We need some really, really um, straightforward policy that allows businesses, um, you know, across the board to access people they need when they can't get a New Zealander to do the job, essentially. Right, and that would just be in that specific category. You're not calling for like an open, complete open gate to everything. No, no. absolutely not. You know, we need some controls in place, absolutely, and we understand that. But, you know, when you are running a business and you're desperate for people, um, you know, what we saw earlier this year is businesses actually closing early, restricting their trading hours because they yeah. couldn't find people, you know, and that, that's not good for our industry. That's not what we want to see. That's not good for the economy. I've got to ask you this because people are wondering, and that's why I ask you, is this a recent problem? I think it is, is, was mentioned in the question first up because it seems the anecdotal is there are a lot of people who aren't well enough to work. Have you mm -hmm. detected any of that at all? Look, people who aren't Sickness. well enough. Um, within our industry, um, you know, you do absolutely need to be um, able to work on your feet, essentially, you know. So there are some physical requirements for this Because job. there's been a 38%, according to stats we've seen, a 38% increase in disability, people mm. suffering from disability, preventing them from, well, doing a full day's work. Mm, mm. So... That must well, look, affect all sectors if that's the case. It's a big number, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge number. But I think one of the things I was going to say, Paul, is that in hospitality, we do offer a lot of part-time shifts. And, you know, I guess that's yeah. one thing we have going for us. So if you are one of those people who, you know, can only do a part-time shift, well, look, go and talk to your local business and hospitality. Oftentimes there will be shifts that are available. You know, um, that's one of the things that I like to talk about hospitality is that we are a flexible, you know, working environment. So we do have people who maybe work full-time jobs during the day and then come and work uh, a couple of nights a week for some extra money um, or people who are just doing a few shifts while they're studying. You know, that's sort of one of the things that we can offer as an industry. 
As though is the sector reporting a higher level than usual of sickness? That, I guess that's my basic question. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm yeah. not no, no, trying no, to evade the question as yeah. well. I'm like, because we're trying to work out why the numbers aren't there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really great question. I I, I couldn't answer it specifically yeah, because okay. I haven't looked into the data. But what I can say is one of the things that we're hearing a lot of feedback on is, um, I guess, sort of more mental health issues and, and challenges okay. that the workforce yeah. are are facing. But that's across the board as well. You know, we've seen a spike in that. And I just wonder if some of that disability percentage is made up of, you know, some of our mental health um, uh, sort of challenges as well, potentially. Back to it being a career path. I see a lot of advertising on buses where I am quite a bit for the local university. Mm. And um, I spent um, five years in Auckland, a lot of university advertising on buses and around the place. And, you know, the engineers and uh, counsellors, I don't recall seeing any promoting working in the restaurant environment. Yeah. Is there enough being done by the tertiary or the qualification institutes to, first of all, switch people on to the possibility? Because they do that advertising for a reason, right? Mm, mm. To switch people on to, hey, that sounds like it could be me. And then taking them through and delivering them to the sector, you know, ready to go. is mm. How's that going? Look, that's a great question. And one of the things that's really impacted our industry is we have seen a lot of our training in hospitality reduced. So as a result of the pandemic, um, you know, we a lot of our overseas students um, stopped coming to New Zealand. That impacted a lot of our training schools. So we have seen a, a big reduction in training within hospitality. And that is one of the things that we've also outlined in our manifesto is that we do need more of a focus on education there as well. And we want to see more emphasis on um, training in this space. Is the money reasonable? Look, the money is an area that we're working on as an industry, but I just, we've seen some um, exponential increases in wages across the board in our industry um, over the last kind of three years as a result of some of these shortages as well. So, you know, just in the last 12 months, we've seen um, a 12% increase in um, our wages across the board. So, you know, that's a huge jump. It is. It's bigger big. than, yeah, yeah than other sectors. Food inflation's big. I've noticed because um, I eat out quite a bit. And uh, I've noticed that, um, you know, prices are go upward trend, no doubt mm. about it. Mm. Sometimes the servings are, um, what do they call that? There's a word for it, something, inflation, a shrinkflation. Yeah, that's yes. it. Yeah. Um, that, that seems to, to be happening. What To what, just curious, to what mm. level can the consumer sustain that, that cost, that upward yeah. drift in, in pricing? Mm. That is a great question and one that we are pondering as an industry as well, because I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of our businesses are very reluctant to put their prices up. Um, but as you know, we've seen like this huge increase in the cost of goods. Um, we've seen it across the board, essentially, um, you know, in all of the areas that our industry um, are, are purchasing from, particularly in food. I mean, just the other day, I was talking about, <clears throat> you know, the egg shortage, and just we've seen eggs in the last 10 years, like increase just 95% or something ridiculous. Like, yeah. And that's just one area. Um, well, the chickens haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, the, ch the chickens haven't gone anywhere, but the way they're, um, you know, sort of yep. raised, it has the changed 
is impacted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, that's just one area alone that's, that we've seen huge increases in. So, you know, our businesses are really grappling with that as well. We've seen increase in wages. We've seen increase in the cost of goods for doing business. Um, And and many of our, our restaurants haven't adjusted their menu prices as a matter of fact that's sort of something we're saying to our menu our members you absolutely need to keep track of your menu make sure that you are managing that Um, we need businesses uh, to be able to remain profitable and cover their costs Um, but it's a good question you know how how much can the consumer take Um, you know that that is the question okay in terms of of the business of hospitality um, I don't know what the proportion between actual small business and medium size and large business there is, but I imagine many of them are small businesses. I can tell um, you. What yeah. about the compliance regime? How how difficult is that? I guess that comes under the red tape heading. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. What are you thinking about that? Um, around ninety two percent of our businesses are not are small to medium businesses. So we're, basically, the industry is made up of small to medium. But look, the compliance issue, this is something that um, has become increasingly challenging for small businesses. There is a lot of red tape. There's a lot of compliance that our businesses are working with. And that, that's something that we'd really like to see a review of um, and, and looking at, at what uh, processes and policies can be adjusted to make doing business easier. Um, you know, a lot of our businesses spend so much of their time um, ensuring that they are, you know, meeting various requirements. And yes, we do need some controls in place, but it also needs to be accessible. We want people to open businesses because that creates jobs. What about liquor? Now, um, liquor licensing, there is a review going on in this space as well. One of the things our members have talked about in this space is that, you know, restaurants and cafes in particular, um, you know, we are not the part of the industry where I guess there are issues, I suppose. Um, People come into a restaurant, they might have a glass of wine, they'll have a meal with their food. One of the things that we'd like to see is, I guess, the costs of licensing um, being proportioned for where the, I guess, the, um, the need is, I suppose. If you're a nightclub, look, you are you're not serving as much food as a restaurant people go there for a specific reason and when you're when you're going to a restaurant you're usually going there to have something to eat that's kind of the main purpose of business so that's one of the things that we've outlined in our manifesto is that we'd like to see a review of that it does seem to be more of a dare i use the word puritan approach to alcohol more recently mm-hmm. um and uh you know some of the local bodies are are getting pretty discerning about who gets licenses, so on and so forth. So absolutely. Uh, I guess that's the, is that the environment? That is, yeah, it is getting increasingly difficult. Um, but I guess that's where it's really important, I suppose, for the, the people we represent um, in hospitality, they're the businesses where food is their hero product in the business. Yeah. 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 yeah but there's also a good margin to be made on liquor. Oh, absolutely. Not so tonight. I mix. mean, who doesn't mm. like to have a nice glass of wine, you know, with, with a meal as well. And absolutely. Yep. Um, there is good margins on, on alcohol. Okay. And, um, if the politicians are listening from the manifesto manifesto, I see there's a, like a civil defense category. And mm. obviously what you're thinking there, correct me if I'm wrong, is if there's another major disruption and, you know, I saw Ashley Bloomfield, bless his little heart, <laughs> talking um, the other day, talking about the next pandemic, as if he knows there's one coming. He probably does. He's probably part of organizing it. But anyway, <laughs> something's coming. And 
all this happens again, and if it uh, if it runs the way it did for COVID, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. I'm betting, unless there's some kind of way of I don't know standing behind an industry. What are you suggesting? Yeah. Look, we're we're saying that we do need to plan for that, you know, with climate um, events going on, um, weather events, uh, you know, potential pandemics, we just need a bit of a plan in place to say, hey, this is how we're going to handle this. because businesses need certainty. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we put forward is just to say, look, can we settle on these are the actions that we would take as a government if this happens again? And, and give us a, just a, a brief overview of those actions. I guess supporting yeah. salaries or, or wages would be one thing. Yeah, well, one of the things we've said, um, which is really simple actually, is, okay, can councils stop charging for food licenses if businesses have to close, you know, liquor licensing, just basic kind of administrative. So, so they didn't do that last time? Um, some did, some didn't. Yeah. Right. We had to sort of put a, an ask out there, but we just thought, hey, this would save a lot of red tape and hassle for yeah. everyone if we knew, okay, if you have to close um, because you've been ordered to close, um, these ca- these costs should really stop in your business. Um, and so th- that's just an example of some of the basic things that we think should be set in stone. Okay. I think there are about 11 priorities in the document and we've talked about a few, but I'm wondering, okay, it's close to an election and there's a lot of noise around at the moment, but you've made that for people to see and, and consume in that space. So they mm. kind of know where you're coming from. So um, who's it gone to and have you had any feedback on it from anyone who could, you know, make a difference here just to, um, to round out our chat. Yeah, um, sure. What, what's the feedback? How long has it been out? What's the feedback been like? Yeah, look, we've had this document out actually since April this year. So we've been doing a lot of work um, leading up to the election to, you know, talk to MPs, to talk to the people who are in the position to make some of this change. And we've had some good responses, you know, um, nothing in writing, of course. Never, <laughs> never. Yeah. But um, look, we've had, we've gotten it out to uh, the decision makers. We've had some good discussions around this and um, yeah, we're always hopeful, but we'll continue to, you know, ask for some of the the important things on, on the radar. Like for example, a hospitality minister at the very least, that's something right, that we've okay. had some great feedback on um, from you've got a tourism minister, you might as well have a hospitality minister. That's what we think too. That would help change perceptions or at least maybe at the very least a dedicated like department and MB, you know, where we had a team that hospitality. The ministry of could... everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if we had a little section there, we think that would help too potentially. So yeah. um, that's yeah. that's one of the things we've had some good feedback on. Well, it's only a few weeks away. It looks like there's going to be a change. So you'll be into them pretty quick, right? Absolutely. Okay. Hey, thanks for coming on again. Um, Marissa Bidois, uh, Chief Executive Restaurant Association of New Zealand. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for having me. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.